This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 856, Spotlight on WandaVision, series recap. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 856. It's our uh, Division recap episode uh, and series overview. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and I'm going to throw it to myself with my co-host, Tibor Mate, as we go through the uh, the series and just do a bit of an overview. There's a lot of tangents here. Some of the time we're not even talking about WandaVision. We're just talking about MCU and movies and COVID and all sorts of stuff. But uh, it was a fun conversation to have, and uh, I think you'll dig it as well. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on on Stitcher. Our uh, next episode, episode 858, will be um, another Comic Talk Spotlight, this time on Marauders Volume 1 by Jerry Duggan. Uh, so you have to stay tuned for that, which comes out next week. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. And now, on to the episode. Enjoy! Tibor, welcome back to Comic Shenanigans, and once again, we're talking about WandaVision. How's it going, man? It's going fairly well. It, it seems like seems like only yesterday when WandaVision premiered with its uh, you know two episode premiere date, and now it's already over. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It went by fast. It's interesting. What I what I've been really appreciating about both WandaVision and Mandalorian is it does feel like it's brought back that appointment television kind of feel that. It felt like, you know, everyone, you know, was was watching as fast as they could on Fridays that, you know, everyone was talking about it on Twitter and like that was the, you know, the online water cooler kind of effect and that, you know, when was the last time where you kind of had that show that was really grabbing it in Mandalorian that have really tapped into, you know, you have to watch it when it comes out. Um, it's kind of the reversal of the Netflix binge model that we were used to with online programming for a while where instead of giving it all at once and then you forget about it after a week, instead it's like every week you get the, you get the build on this sense of anticipation yeah for sure like the last like friday show i can think of is the x-files yeah well i mean besides mandalorian right well no yeah besides mandalorian but mandalorian didn't drop on fridays right like there was something about it dropping on the friday which really felt like it did it take you back to that like tv musty tv thing what day was mandalorian on was it not fridays i don't think so i think it was thursday oh I don't remember i thought i just yeah, kind of assumed it I was a friday wrong, but it said, I, I don't remember i don't feel like it was friday night Oh, I guess it just it just felt like a Friday show, maybe. Maybe, or maybe you watched it on Fridays instead of Thursdays when it dropped. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's what it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess like it I was Thursdays. Now, Why did I really looking like a total idiot? You know, it's so funny. I just assume, you know what? In something in me just assumed it was a Friday as well. But I, I think you're right. I think it was Thursdays. Yeah, I think it was Thursday nights because it didn't have the same feel to me. At least I don't know. Like. So something about this really kind of tapped into your excitement, like you were saying, like off podcast, like, you know, you're watching it as fast as you could. Oh, yeah, no, this is like the one of the first shows in a while that I've been like, I got to watch this like as it comes out. You know, it doesn't happen much anymore. No, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing, right? So I just double checked the Mandalorian did come up on Fridays for season two. Oh, it did? Okay. What the, I guess I, I don't know. Maybe it was. Um, well, when, did, when did it drop again? Uh, like when did it start? It started October the 30th. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. Okay. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was Thursday still. 
You know, I think you might be right for the first year. I think the first year was not Fridays at all, and I think maybe that's what you're kind of remembering. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Which, which is, yeah, you know, it's it's crazy, but yeah. So there's something about WandaVision seemed to again, as I said, tap into this 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 desire people want for exciting programming that you know you're 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 waiting on the edge of your seat, and I it has been a while since I can remember having that level of anticipation on a show. And I think part of it is, again, it's a, it's a shortened run. It's only nine episodes and it's over and then it's gone. And, you know, there was, you know, probably not a season two necessarily, who knows? And it feels like Marvel can kind of do what it wants in terms of limited series. And some will come back, some won't. And, you know, and it just, it felt, I think the big thing is that you could tell this in the Mandalorian uh, there's just something about the budgets that like you can tell that they spent money on these projects and they feel bigger than your standard TV projects. And that's a little unfortunate to, you know, Marvel shows that existed before that were good, but they didn't have the level of, they just didn't have the same amount of money. Yeah, well, I mean, like, they're keeping us up to, like, movie quality, right? But, I mean, a lot of shows are at that level these days, though, compared to, like, previous, you know. Oh, for sure. Like years, right? Like with because a lot of like Game of Thrones, like movie quality, right? So it's like, yeah, you still have network shows that are a little bit lower budget and stuff, but like quality's jumped a lot. Like you know, and and a lot of actors now, there, I, there's not that same transition from like you're a TV actor and then oh you're a movie actor. Mm. Like those, those that, that that like it's fluid now more so, right? Because people go between like TV and uh, film all the time these days. That's true. It's much more of a, a continuum. Like, you know, you're right. People used to, you know, just kind of, it was either one or the other. And it was very, very rare. I remember like in 1999, it was a big deal that, you know, Rob Lowe was coming from movies to do the West Wing. And so was Martin Sheen. Like that was, that was just not something that was done as much. Yeah, it's definitely like a 2000s, like somewhere in the 2000s that became more of a thing, right? Probably around 2010-ish maybe. Like, oh, yeah. And even like... More of a up and down. Even people like, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Fox Mulder, I can't think of his real name now, Duchovny, like, you know, he, he did yeah. some movies, but it was always like, oh, there's the TV guy doing some movies. Yeah, well, and even the X-Files was kind of funny, right? Because they had a movie in the middle of the series. That's right. Which was really strange at the time, right? Because that didn't, that didn't really happen much. Has that ever happened? Like, um, I can't think of another example in the same way, like other than maybe Star Trek, but it's not quite the same. No, and I guess it, Sim- original, Simpsons did. The original series would have been like some of those movies overran with TNG, right? Yeah, but it's not the same thing because they were different cast and stuff. But well, exactly, and I, again, it's like Simpsons had a movie in the middle, um, you know, back in what two thousand and seven, which God, that's yeah, fourteen that, years ago, <laughs> and and so late in the game when it comes to like the Simpsons overall, right? Like. They've been around forever. For sure. Yeah, by the time they got one, yeah, it it had already been around, what, almost 20 years, probably like 18 years or something? Yeah, like, I would say, I don't know, like, uh, I think it's safe to say it would have peaked already, right? Like, whereas the X-Files, like, uh, was peaking with the movie, like, it was leading, like, like, the excitement was huge, right? Absolutely. So I guess we should actually talk about the show in question. So WandaVision, when it first started, those first two episodes were weird and quirky, and I really loved them because, again, they tapped into this old-school sitcom mentality that I really enjoyed and, and you know really enjoyed uh, and vibed with. But obviously the show changed so much as it went on and had a lot of kind of uh, twists and turns, and I felt like when it ended, I felt like, 
I feel like the people online who were like obsessing over this stuff are going to be disappointed. But I was very pleasantly and like surprised. Not even surprised, but I was just so pleased with everything and how it turned out. Yeah, um, I, I would say that like I could see people being disappointed with the ending because it wasn't like as massive as they were building up, building it up to be in a way. Um, but at the same time, I agree with you. I think it was totally fine. With the, I think people's expectations sometimes get get too carried away. And um, but yeah, like there was nothing wrong with that at all. Like I, it's interesting. So Kelly was saying how she felt that the first. You know, eight episodes were much more character building, and she thought that this was kind of the, the action action episode, and a little bit less of the character. Although it was still there, and it was very strong, but it was it was interesting because this was definitely the you know the the typical Marvel third act in some ways in terms of the the big action set pieces. Yeah, for sure, they saved the uh, the bit of the uh, that, that budget we were talking about for the CGI. With the, they definitely like hammered it in this one. For sure. So I guess you know we should talk about you know the big. It's interesting because as a series, I would say it almost, I mean, it has an antagonist, but not really a, a big bad in the, in the typical sense, because obviously Agatha is there, you know, to absorb and, and, you know, take Wanda's abilities and power. But it's interesting that, you know, it's not your typical mustache twirling villain either. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of liked because there were rumors of Mephisto being there and stuff, right? Like people were speculating that she wasn't the big bad, that she was just sort of the in-between. So in one way, I did kind of like that that wasn't the case, that she was the villain of the piece. But that, that, it worked for me. Like, uh, you don't need always, like, a big... Because the thing is, too, like, we were talking about this, I think, way back in the MCU. It's like, well, how, like, with the Avengers, how are you going to get, like, an Avengers-level threat all the time? Like, you mm-hmm. have to tone it down sometimes, right? So th- this was perfect for that. Like, it, it doesn't always have to be this massive villain or massive threat. No. And I, 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 what I liked about it is, that, again, it, it felt very intimate. Because, you know, she wasn't necessarily trying to rule the world with magic. She just wanted Wanda's magic. And she, you know, someone who could be able to do what she's able to do, she was like, no, I want that. And that's very personal as opposed to, you know, again, these kind of big, grandiose ideas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, it was a personal. Like, well, and the whole thing, the whole story, you know, Wanda's, Wanda's story was personal. And so was um, Agatha's. You know, it, it, it's cool. Like, vision story, like, they're all more personal stories, which works perfectly for the series. It's interesting to get, uh, and I guess we should expect this of the MCU to kind of throw us curveballs sometimes, that in the final episode, in the middle of a big battle, um, you know, how does the conflict between the two visions really resolve itself, but with philosophy? Dude, I, I loved it. The ship of Theseus, that was so perfect. Like, it was, it was so well laid out. I love that. I mean, I, to, to me, that was perfect. Like, it's so vision. There's something as well about how how well Paul Bettany really sells that moment. Like, there's just something about his voice, which is always like, when, when he was the voice of Jarvis, I don't think anyone even batted an eye, because it just seemed like that was a, a calm, reassuring voice um, that could be funny at times, but it was just something about it. And then, as the vision, he, st- he still is able to kind of bring that out. And so, when he's basically talking to himself, but just his tones and, and, that, and the way he uses language, like, I just I loved his delivery. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Like, his... his, uh, his acting in that scene is, is perfect like he's just he nailed it like he totally nailed it two of my favorite scenes in the in the whole series are um vision and wanda um during civil war mm-hmm. the flashback oh yeah and just his, his explanation of grief and and like love it was, a, it was like so so perfect i'm like you know encapsulates the series in a, in a big way too and then yeah him versus himself and the ship of theseus was was brilliant i i, I thought i loved those were my two favorite scenes 
So I guess the question, and, and it's interesting because obviously there are you know a, a bunch of plot lines that aren't you know neatly wrapped up, which is kind of what we expect from Marvel projects, especially when we know characters will live on in different places. Although we don't know where the Vision's going to be next, but obviously he's the kind of the big one where you know the the White Vision kind of takes off. Um, so what exactly is he after you know the 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 not the not Vision kind of you know, does his, his phasing and, and, and touches the, his kind of his mind area. What, what is that? And, and I guess that's the speculation. So what do you think it is? What do you think this new vision is? Just a mind area? I don't know. <laughs> it just sounded a little funny. You know what I meant. We want, <laughs> we want to come up with a different term for that. Well, like, the, like where the mind stone would have been. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We need a different. Uh, we need a different thing. For that. Can I say the port uh, in his like, head? Is that better? <laughs> you know, the absence of uh, the mindstone area. <laughs> I, don't know. We, I don't think you need. I don't think you need area in the sentence it's, or in the term. It sounds weird. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess the white vision now has all his memories to a vision, right? To his death, right? So I, I, it's so interesting because, again, like we, we were talking, I think, off, off podcast before about, you know, how far did Shuri actually get when she was trying to extricate the Mind Stone from the original vision? And so what is really left in there and how much of it, again, was tied up in what the Mind Stone could do and how much because they even speculated in Infinity War. They're like, well, there could still be a lot of vision in there. And so the idea of them being all these memories that he's now able to access is, you know, supported by comments that we saw way back in Infinity War. Yeah, no, it was cool how they linked it together, and I, I uh, have to give credit to um, the Canadian lad on YouTube who pointed out that Shuri uh, moment, right? Because like she works right to the last second before she bails. Like if she was so far behind, why would he, why would she wait so like so um, to the last second, right, to, to save herself? Like so, was, a, was she able to like fix up vision perfectly, right, or you know whatever? But yeah, it's still sort of up in the air. We're not one hundred percent sure where, where it goes. But it looked like he saw everything, you know, from his creation to his two deaths in uh, in Infinity War. So he has those memories. It's interesting because yeah, if, does, does he, does he feel that he lived those memories? Like yeah, we don't know, right? I don't know, and That's like the Theseus thing works so well. Exactly, and it's interesting too. Like yeah, it, like he might have have those. Like the data's there, but does he have the connection to the data? Is the context there? You know what I mean? Like again, wh- how much yeah. did the of the mindstone gave him the ability to to do some of that processing as well? Like to to be more alive? Yeah, for sure. That's why it's such a great like. That's why I love the ship of Theseus thing. It's it's so perfect. It's such a perfect analogy to the you know like like what is identity? What are, you know like that whole theological question, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the, oh, yeah. most, the most powerful probably scene for me in the finale. Well, I mean, I, I again, I love the philosophy, but um, from a raw emotional standpoint, there's just something about when um, Wanda's in the middle of the town square, and then the Vision and the kids show up, and they just start fragmenting away. That was incredibly emotional because again, you you you've exp- and this is where the TV show succeeds in a way that a movie maybe couldn't. Is that we've lived with these characters in a way that we couldn't with a movie, and we've spent more time with them, and we've we. We, you know, we care more about them and we understand more about where they're coming from just because of the, the sheer hours we've been able to, or half hours we've been able to spend with them as opposed to a movie. And so we're, we're latching onto them. So there's just something about that sequence and how I love the animation or the, the visual effects when they actually have them kind of slowly fragmenting away. There's a, a cover to, I just want to say, House of M from about 10, 12, maybe 14 years ago. Um, actually, even more than that, which really is all I could think of when I saw that scene. And I, and I have to imagine they pulled that as visual reference because just this fragmentation of 
what is drifting away I thought was beautiful but very sad. Yeah, it was. I mean, a lot of this was based on House of M, wasn't it? Uh, definitely there's pieces. I mean, it's interesting. Like, there's parts of this were, which were, like, you know, a lot of it, the, the vision being pulled apart, um, Wanda looking for him, finding him, uh, him coming back as the white kind of emotionless vision. That's all from a comic book. That's all from Avengers West Coast in the late 80s. Uh, there's a bunch of the House of M kind of idea here and the idea of her kind of remaking something in her own image. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... That's that's what when the movies do and movies and TV shows do the best is when they can remix and synthesize the best parts of all these different you know stories so that the comic fans see something that's recognizable but it's but it's still different it's you know it's fashioned for the MCU but again it plays in that familiarity as well and then if you're a, a new a new viewer you get to see the best of all these different things. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and that's what Marvel's done. That's the formula, right? They they pull from the best DC put it together and make it work right? which is cool so I was going to say also that that visual um, kind of reminds you of the uh, the snap a little bit too hmm that's right so in here it's nice that we finally um you know, Wanda is now the Scarlet Witch, which is, it felt like obviously they were building to this when they had Hayward take a moment to specifically call out the fact that she didn't have a, you know, a fancy code name. So I think that was probably yeah, our foreshadowing true. that they were going to go there. Yeah, yeah, no, that was cool. It's true, because it's funny, yeah, we never, they never actually called it Scarlet Witch in the, in the MCU, right? So it was cool. What did you think of her, kind of, her new costume, her new look? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fine with the, um, like it was cool that they um, they used the in the Halloween episode they used the classic comic style. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I love that Vision had like the uh, yellow box, um, <laughs> boxing shorts. That was really funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was cool that you got to see the classic costume and then like this obviously revamped you know MCU esque costume, which was cool. It is interesting though because obviously like it's her own magic that kind of creates it that it still looked very much in keeping with like you know the you know Tony Stark design aesthetic. <laughs> Yeah, well, and Vision, too, yeah, because Vision's based off that, too, right? So, yeah, they kind of had that same feel, but maybe that's where she pulled the inspiration from, mm-hmm. is sort of Uniqlo. Were you, I mean, obviously, I, there was a lot of speculation before the series ended that, you know, we would see Doctor Strange, or we would even maybe see Mordo, or there'd be some sort of connection to the kind of the, the bigger MCU outside of, you know, the, the tertiary characters we've seen throughout. Did you feel let down by that, or did you think it was probably better to let it just focus on these characters? Um, it, uh, like, uh, one thing I'll say about the last episode is it did find it kind of feel a little rushed. Not, not terribly, but, like, it did feel a little fast. Hmm. But, um, but it didn't bother me in the end that there was no big reveal. So what? You know, like, there's going to be lots of opportunities for that later on. Yeah. One thing that, uh, really bugged Kelly at first is, um, you know, Wanda talks with Monica as she's leaving and then just kind of walks away. And she's like, wait, hold on. What about this? What about this town? What's going on? Like she just like did all the shit happen there, and then they had the post credit sequence where you see the FBI kind of taking care of things. She's like, okay, I feel better now. Yeah. Well, it was a, yeah. I mean, if they would have cut it there, it would have been a little weird, I guess, right? But it was a, uh, well, I mean, like, I was satisfied with the ending. But it's interesting because, like, you know, the last time, like, if you th- if you think about Wanda. 
Like she was, she was at the center of the controversy originally in Civil War. Like she's part of the inciting incident, which creates the Sokovia Accords, right? So she yeah. is known as an Avenger at that point, and then you know uh, on the public radar, and then she's responsible for that. And this is part of how the Avengers kind of go underground. And then the, there's the Secret Avengers, and then there's this other team, right? So we know that happens, and so I'm curious about what the standard, you know, regular people in the world think of the Scarlet Witch after that. And then, obviously, she's blipped out, so she's, you know, she's underground until Infinity War, and then she disappears in, after Infinity War. Again, typical people wouldn't have seen her because she was very, you know, like, she just wasn't very present on the world stage at that point. She comes back as part of the big battle, so I'm just curious what people even think of her, and they probably, most people haven't seen her around for at least five years, right? Because, again, she was blipped, so it's. In, I'm curious what you know, the standard MCU denizen even thinks of Wanda at this point. Yeah, I would think they think of her more from Civil War, though, too, because, like, she would have been on the run, like you said. And then, like, what's the news media like in Wakanda? Like, because Wakanda's pretty private, right? And that's where the big battle took place. Yeah, so, like, no one would really know about that. And uh, there was no film crews at the last battle in Endgame. I mean, there was a lot going on there. Uh, Who knows what happened? Yeah, so I, I feel like most people would still think of her like and the, Soko- the Sokovia Accord and stuff, right? Like, so it's, so it's just uh, interesting. My, and then, like, yeah. here, like, you know, they have an entire town who basically are always going to hate her. But it's curious, like, you know, where does that go? Like, it's one of those things where you're not really supposed to think about it too hard, probably. I'm um, probably giving it more thought than I need to. But it is, the, you know, a question that, you know, again, is she a hero? Is she something else? Yeah, no, I definitely think she's probably leans more villain, like, in the eyes of the public. Which is interesting, because again, like, what, what, what is still left open for interpretation, and this goes back to the comics too, is that obviously she taps into this magic and this, this you know, chaos magic, but how much of, you know, or is she a mutant as well, or is she both? And, or is it just the, you know, the modification of the Mind Stone? And it was interesting in that episode that focused on her past, which was really well done. The only thing that kind of irked me was that there was no real conversation about, okay, well, that's how her, she got her powers or what happened with hers. What about Quicksilver? Yeah, it does, it does make it a little awkward, right? Because, yeah, was he mutant already? Or, yeah, it, does, it opens that question. The uh, the show did a great well, job. To be fair, this, this is this is the first time that like they've established that she had power before, right? Like, yeah, for sure. The, uh, yeah, because we didn't know that until this this series. No, we didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know anything. We it only knew. Great, it, was, it was a great scene the um, in the living room while they were watching the the. Um, sitcoms, which was cool how to link the sitcoms in, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think they did a great job explaining that. I, I think the show in general was really good at swerving when it, when like, doing zigs when you thought it was going to zag. And really playing with ex- with um, with the expectations of the audience. And I don't think they did any better job than this than the whole use of Evan Peters as, you know, the fake Pietro, because, you know, for us as, you know, that's just throwing everyone off because they can, you know, like this is a guy who played Quicksilver from a different, you know, franchise. So they're having fun with that because they know how that's going to make people think about, you know, what does this mean? And really it didn't mean anything, but that's okay because that's, it's all within the conceit of the show. Like everything was manipulated from the beginning. And I kind of like how they played with your expectations as an audience and really played with that engagement. And like how often do you get a show that knows so well what its fan base wants or what it might think of things that it just deliberately plays with that and is all the better for it. Yeah, I know for sure. That was a cool aspect of the show. Like even the the fourth episode, right, where they finally we see Shield for the first time. Or sorry, Sword. Um like and then the, you know, they're writing on the on the whiteboard, they're writing out all the questions. And mm-hmm. it's just basically the fans. 
Absolutely, yeah. Like I just, I, I, they were. So, I just felt that the show was so smart and so and so knew what it wanted to be and what it was and just stuck to its guns in such an amazing way and again wasn't afraid to take chances. Like again, the, those first two episodes being the way they were, and again, I think they did the, the right idea of uh, dumping them at the same time together, but like. It, it, they're so subversive and you go back and you can see things and get where, where they're going here. And like, there's, um, for example, and I, I've seen people talk about this online as well. And the first episode where they have the, the dinner party and you have the Wanda doing like her hands over, um, the, the guest face, et cetera, or over vision's face. And that's what her dad does. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So like so many little things are hidden in this, again, seemingly innocuous, you know, sitcom, which I, I loved anyway on the face of it, but being able to go back and kind of see pieces is so interesting. Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, I haven't watched it again yet because uh, I, I wanted to wait for it to complete. And then I, I, it's, I'm sure there'll be a lot of little details that people now recognize or realize what was going on there. And it's interesting too because as much as it's, you know, Wanda and Vision, but so much of it is also Monica Rambeau. And I'm loving their their slow development of the character. And again, you get to breathe with the character. And if you just introduced her in a movie, it wouldn't feel the same way. But being able to experience this character on a TV show and see a little bit more of what she's thinking and her own experiences, and then sh- shooting her into a movie where she gets to you know be in the next Captain Marvel movie, I think is a brilliant idea. Like farm these characters, make us care, and then bring them into the movies. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love the that was the first um, post credit, right? Was was a but who is it that she's going to see? Is it um, Sam Jackson or is it Captain Marvel? I mean, they say he, right? So I would imagine it is Nick Fury, and we know he's in space. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the last time we saw him, right? So that was a really cool setup. Yeah, like I, again, I like that there's scrolls around. Like we already knew that through uh, the ending of Far From Home, anyway, and now we're seeing more of them yep. here. And we know that there's going to be, you know, an upcoming Secret Invasion TV series with Nick Fury. So I mean, they're definitely developing something. It's crazy that they're not just developing movie projects too, but also future TV projects. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's really cool. Like there's so much potential. And like again, Disney has this platform that with Disney Plus that if they play their cards right now, they, if they, I mean, they could almost always have a show on the go, which is again so interesting and exciting as well. Like you know, this dropped today, the the last episode of WandaVision. They also dropped, uh, I believe it was today, the first sorry, the next two installments of the Legends, uh, which is the little recaps to get you ready for the next show. Yeah. So they have one for Falcon and Winter Soldier that just came out today, which are you know again nice hype, you know sizzle reels. And then next week there's the behind the scenes of Wanda vision that comes out which is i guess uh assembling the universe i think it's what it's called um and then yep. we go right into falcon and the winter soldier and they have so many other tv shows set this year that it feels like it's just going to be one roller coaster after the other yeah no it's cool it is cool um i hope there are some gaps is like after winter soldier what's it is the next one loki i believe the next one is loki and there is a little bit of time between them yeah because that one drops in june right so yeah i, I like i don't I, like Doing two back to back is kind of cool, but then have it—you you, got to have a little bit of break uh, in between, though, because otherwise it's going to be really like let's just go, 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 like. Yeah, but I mean, little, if, little but if they all have a different sensibility and a different tone, then it may not—that may not be a big deal. Like for most of Wandavision, sure. it wasn't your typical MCU project. I mean, you would look at trailers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and you're like, yeah, I can see that. That that's continuing the tone of Winter Sol- the, the Winter Soldier movie. Uh, it feels very much in that vein. You know, you I think you feel like more that you know what to expect. Whereas I don't think anyone really knew what to expect from Wandavision at all. 
Yeah, no, that's true. I am glad that, they, like, in one way, because they, they were supposed to air in the opposite order, right? So I think in one way it might have been a smart move to do it this way, like, give you something totally different and then, you know, kind of throw you back into something more comfortable. For sure. Yeah, so the Falcon the Winter Soldier is set to end April 23rd. Loki starts June 11th. So there is about a month and a half gap. Yeah, no, that's good. You, like, I think it, you need that time a little bit. Like, just too much can be too much. Oh, like, it's sure. kind of crazy in one way because now we, we didn't get anything in 2020, right? Yeah. Like, the MCU had a whole year off, which is kind of odd. Yeah, it is very odd. And like and I'm I'm super pumped for like Miss Marvel and Hawkeye. Like that's late this year and I I'm super pumped for those. I mean, again, Miss Marvel is getting her own TV show and then she's going into Captain Marvel too. So again, they're populating these movies with characters that you will, you know, there aren't just new introductions just in that movie, but they're actually getting a whole launch pad, which again, they could, they didn't even have the capacity to do this kind of stuff before. Oh, yeah, no, it's crazy. Look, if you look at Iron Man 2, right, when Black Widow first shows up, mm-hmm. like, we don't get much from her at all, right? Like, we don't know the character, you know. Like, she's just tossed in, right? Like, she could be a one and done. You don't even really know. For sure. Well, at least she's in it more. Like, you look at uh, Thor, and you have, like, Hawkeye's brief cameo appearance. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was really brief. Yeah, yeah, and then he was then he was next to saw in Avengers, right? That's right. Yeah, it was, a, it was. But again, but that's how they had to seed things, right? So like they were trying to think, how do we how do we do this in an organic way? And yeah, it might have felt like a little of a shoehorn, but this way now they have again more time that they can actually spend with these characters that you know are worthy of it, but you know may not be you know worthy of maybe getting their own movie. I don't know if anyone's going to watch a Hawkeye movie, but a Hawkeye TV series, yeah. Yeah, no, but also remember, too, like, those early days of MCU where they didn't know how long this thing was going to last, and you know, I'm sure there wasn't an eight-year plan like there is now, you know? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. They, they, especially that first year, they're, like, hope, hoping to God that it works. Yeah, like, a lot of it was like, oh, shit, like, hopefully it all fits together nicely and works well, right? Yeah, so, like, like, if Iron yeah, Man hadn't worked... If Iron Man hadn't worked, it's possible Marvel would just not really be around in the same way right now because um, if Iron Man hadn't worked, they, they they banked so much on that and they put up a lot of collateral and I think a lot of it was in like the different IPs. Um, and if it hadn't worked, I think they would have lost like they would have lost a lot of their you know their uh, their intellectual property. Like they had a lot on the line. Oh yeah, no, it's crazy to think like you know Marvel was on the edge of of not existing, which is just so nuts to think about. Yeah. Like and now everyone knows, like everyone like we're watching um, Kelly and I were watching the uh, Legends kind of uh, little short for uh, Winter Soldier and they showed the shot from um, Infinity War where you have I think it was Infinity War yeah where Bucky picks up Rocket Raccoon and like twirls around and and Rocket Raccoon shooting everything and Kelly's like I love Rocket Raccoon and I'm like how weird is it that there's this world where like people are just like yeah I love Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, well, I remember when Galaxy, like, you know, Guardians came out, and it was like, what the fuck is this? Like, they're making, like, a weird Star Wars? Like, <laughs> like you know, I'm like, I, I remember thinking, like, this might be the first bomb, because, like, talking fucking tree and, like, how Everyone thought that. But, but, yeah, they totally nailed it. Yeah, like, I give a shit about a fucking raccoon. Still the bear. For sure. Like, talking raccoon and a talking tree, like, you know, that... You know, kids, kids know who these kids are. Like, you know, everyone knows who these characters are. And, you know, 10 years ago, you would not have thought that that was possible. Yeah, I know, for sure. And it's funny, a talking tree that says one phrase. <laughs> What's so crazy is that, so like that, that whole Guardians kind of a team, so was only really started in the comics 
Like, there had been a Guardians of the Galaxy since, I think, the late 60s. But it was a very different team, and it was from the future. But the version that we're most used to with Star-Lord and Groot and Rocket Raccoon, that only really came into existence around 2008. And in that first miniseries, Groot was actually talking like a regular person. It was only in the next series after that, that was, like, right after that main miniseries that kind of introduced that team, that they decided to go with the I Am Groot. And it just stuck. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't know that, but that's cool. Again, like it's it's just, again even like something like the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier, as in a concept, has only existed for seventeen years now. Like it was it was really fresh in two thousand and four. So even when the Winter Soldier movie comes out, it was only ten years after that character had been kind of created. Obviously, Bucky had been around since the forties, but the idea of him having survived and become the Winter Soldier was a completely new concept. And again, it, they just held on to it and said, "This is lightning in a bottle. Let's do this." Yeah, well, I mean, that's the cool thing, too, is, like, they do, like, it seems like they do pull a lot of, like, concepts from, like, the, the 2000s, right? But then they go back to the history and pull some of the best pieces from the history, too, right? So it's kind of neat how they amalgamate everything. For sure. Now, to go back to one I mean, of these... Miles, Miles Morales, right? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. I thought he would have thought he would get a movie. I mean, yeah, it was animated, but still, it was awesome, and people loved it. Oh, yeah, it was Oscar award-winning. Yeah. So going going back to WandaVision, so the big reveal of, of Agnes really being Agatha, how did you feel about that when that happened? Uh, it was cool. I mean, like, it was already pretty, like, you were pretty sure she had, there was something going on with her. Um, but it was a great reveal. Like, I mean, the, the song went crazy. Apparently it went number one on, like, iTunes. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> yeah. It, it's such a great moment, though. Like, it was so perfectly done, right? Like, oh, for can't sure. argue with it. It's gold. Yeah, I mean, and again, it was it was just something about the show being able to subvert expectations, or even if it like everyone kind of expected something of Agnes and that it might be Agatha, they still were able to do something fun and unique with it. Because yeah, okay, maybe you know maybe you expected it, or maybe some people expected it or called it, but did they expect it the way that they revealed it? I don't think so. I don't think anyone thought that she was going to get her own theme song. And again, it, I, so much of that is a credit to Catherine Hahn, who just absolutely looked like she was having a ball with everything she did in this. In this series, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like she, she like was the perfect casting for that. Like it, it was, it was great. Well, and, and I think another kind of um, underlining of how good an actress she can be is at in this episode where she goes from being Agatha and then, you know, Scarlet Witch kind of turns her into being the role that she had cast for herself, and just something about like the acting of being this being Agatha and then in a heartbeat turning on that you know, silly, corny charm of Agnes was just like, whoa, like, that's a sharp turn. And she did it. She just nailed it. Yeah, well, both the actresses, right? Like, when, um, you know, uh, Olsen goes into Scarlet Witch, mm. like, she can flip from, like, being super nice to, like, pretty damn dark. Like, they both, they both are very good at that, like, flip. Oh, for sure. Um, the episode where they did, I guess, the most modern version of the uh, TV kind of landscape in terms of sitcoms, and she was pulling from Modern Family, I, I was just like, wow, the way that she was channeling and doing everything that Julie Bowen would do on that show, certain things like visual tics, um, certain way that she would change her voice, I was like, oh my god, she is absolutely 100% tapping into what Julie Bowen does in Modern Family, and it, was so, it looked effortless. Yeah, no, that, that's a testament to the acting, too, for sure, like, playing all those different eras and nailing them so well like it was really good I loved her 50s and 60s like I sorry like I loved the first two episodes and just again Emma uh, sorry um, Elizabeth Olsen just nailed it because you believed it she had that energy she was capturing that over the top but energy of the female kind of comedians of the day 
Yeah, totally. And uh, you can see where that Dick Wright Van Dyke uh, consulting may have helped with that too, right? Setting that tone. For sure. It, it, it was really good. And again, as you said, like I loved the way that they made it all kind of make sense because of her watching these old school sitcoms. And I like that even they explained that that's how they were learning English, you know, that they were getting these very old school things. But, you know, that was how they were able to kind of learn English and not just Sokovian. I thought that was such a such a great idea because that's what a lot of people have done. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a true thing. Yeah, like it was a lot of people like uh, start learning things and they'll put the subtitles on stuff to uh to learn the language and read right it was oh, yeah. pretty smart it was really cool like i like even even in comic books like um there's a writer fabian nisiesa he says that like when he first moved to to the u.s um he, it was comic books that helped him learn to read um because they had pictures and they, they were kind of showing what was going on so he could you know read the words and slowly start to understand what was going on because again it was this merging of this visual medium but also having words in it so he could start to figure out what was going on so again i i like that 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 that's how they kind of built into the conceit of how and why Wanda would have this appreciation. And again, if her parents died, the last thing, the last memory that she would have that would be positive would be something about these old sitcoms, this feeling of sitting down with her family, this feeling of being safe, even in a world that wasn't. Um, so I, again, that the whole the whole series about uh, is obviously about how much pain and suffering she's gone through, and this epic sadness and loss, and how you get through to the other side. And it was just. You know, tremendously well done and acted because you, you can understand those feelings. It all felt earned. It all felt genuine. And even looking at all the things that she'd been through in the other movies, I was like, holy shit, she got dumped on in every movie. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, it, was, it, it was perfect like, for that in that sense, too. Yeah. Like, in the, in, and that, like I say, that, that, that's why one of, that, one of my favorite scenes um, is that scene with her and Vision and him talking about grief and like how, you know, isn't grief ultimately love? And but then it, was, it was pretty cool. Like it was just so well done. I'm glad that we, I guess, and still have Paul Bettany in the MCU then. Yeah, I know, for sure. And, then, and that's what the, that's great, like you were saying, you know, with the TV series, is that they could do those small character moments that you don't necessarily have the time for in a film. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is excellent. Like, and it's cool that they can flush it out and, and make, make these characters more interesting and, and do this kind of stuff. For sure. I, I thought it was very, it was a very... TV slash movie thing of the have this the slow kind of uh, the hex slowly coming down and having their kind of protracted goodbyes. But again, there's something because the show had earned that moment, it didn't bug me. Like it didn't, it didn't. You know, it, it was definitely one of those typical movie things of you know the slow thing happening as they're saying their goodbyes. But again, it felt so earned that you're there in that moment and you you want that moment to last as long as possible because you don't really want them to have to say goodbye. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like you know, and then. The whole thing of like not having a season two, maybe, maybe that is the best way to end it, right? Like, and it, and, it, and it's also like a comic book in the sense of like it's just a twelve issue series or a six issue series, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, so too, because, I mean, again, we all know that, you know, Elizabeth Olsen is supposed to be in the next Doctor Strange movie. And again, that's part of I think if we didn't know that the some of the rampant speculation which was all well intentioned that went around online may not have been as fervent i think it's because people knew that she was going to be in a movie called the multiverse the multiverse of madness or whatever that i think that's why everyone kind of you know really grabbed onto the whole fake pietro stuff and because you know and 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 we're hoping for maybe this bigger bigger thing to happen because we knew she was going to be in that movie and if we didn't know that i wonder if the interpretations would have been different 
sure. And I mean, they did drop Sorcerer Supreme, right? With the um, Agatha says it, right? For sure. So it was a, but yeah, like not showing him, I think it's fine. Like it, it ultimately, like. Would it have added all that much more? I don't, I don't think so. I think it actually would have taken away. I actually like the ending where she's, you know, she's she's sequestered herself, but she wants to learn more about this thing within her, know about its history and what it could mean. So I like that she's kind of going through the dark hold on her own, and that she doesn't have Doctor Strange there. I thought it actually puts the character in a more interesting place. And again, at the ending, when she hears her kids, what does that mean? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It is a more powerful ending in that sense because, like. I assume that's like a little cabin somewhere, you know, in Sokovia. Yeah, well, I mean, in Sokovia or somewhere in Eastern Europe. It's funny, when they first showed that shot, Kelly looked at me and she's like, I mean, I know it's not, but it looks like it's Canada. Is Wolverine there? <laughs> that, yeah, that would be the craziest if that was the cameo, Wolverine running out of the forest. <laughs> But but yeah, you're right. Like Kelly thought it would look like northern Canada, and I'm like, no, no, that's that's probably just Eastern Europe. Yeah, well, I assume it's Sokovia because like the um, the building architecture, right? Like True, the, the yeah. cabin looked looked uh, you know Eastern European. So because um, Sokovia didn't like get totally destroyed, right? It was just that city. Exactly. I, I am Sokovia is a little bigger than. The, the few things that I guess weren't addressed and, and do make me wonder, but you know, it's just it's fun to think about, is that you know after the the funeral in uh, Endgame, so she's there with Hawkeye, and I guess she leaves. I'm curious, first of all, how does she end up finding out about Sword, uh, and then finding out that his body's there? But I'm also curious, you know, what about all of her friends in the Avengers? I mean, I wonder what they're thinking because the last time they saw her, she was at this funeral. I guess there was no Avengers after that. At that point, like I guess there is no Avengers team proper at this point, and then she just kind of disappears. Yeah, well, I mean, these are things that they can always fill in later, right? Like, True. They need to, but yeah, like yeah, because yeah, you don't. We don't know exactly how it all went down. But this is only what, like, three weeks, supposedly, or something, right? Like, yeah, it's after... it's not that long after. Like again, based on the timeline, it takes place before Far From Home. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that was eight months, right? Because they mentioned it at the very beginning. Hmm. It's actually curious. I mean, it's interesting because maybe, maybe when we see Nick Fury in Far From Home, maybe Monica's already there. Yeah, they could. They, that's true. But then, uh, yeah, because they could they could build her up a little bit more before Captain Marvel. I did like the. It was kind of a. It was one of the few things in the finale because Zach has been wanting to watch it, and we were, we were waiting till the series was over to know if it was really appropriate. And I think we are going to let him watch it because there's nothing too bad. Like there's you know a little bit of scary stuff with Agatha that he might be a little scared of witches and stuff. But I, I was going to say like some of it like got pretty dark. Like that the the um, the. Like, the flashback episode is kind of the darkest episode. It is. It deals with the most heavy stuff. You're right. And I think that's the only one that he might need us to kind of sit there with him. But, like, again, I think kids let a lot of that stuff kind of go over their heads. It's usually the scarier imagery that might kind of uh, uh, jump out. But one thing that did strike me was that when Hayward just starts taking shots at the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was, like, full on just like, oh, forget it. I'm going to shoot these kids. Like, in that, that felt a little... Like, obviously, he's the, he's, you know, he's the villain, or he's villainous, he's an antagonistic, he doesn't have anyone's really best interest in mind, he's very kind of selfish in this way, uh, and single-minded on what he wants, but that did feel like maybe a bridge too far, like, maybe 
that's a little bit of a stretch. But, I mean, it was a good moment because, again, with uh, with Monica, to kind of have the bullets kind of going through her and it kind of losing their own kind of speed afterwards and coming out and just kind of falling. I'm curious to see how they develop what her powers are and how they're going to make that work. I love the idea that, you know, again, that her eyes kind of click in and she can see the different wavelengths. Uh, she could see that there was something with the, the necklace on, uh, on Ralph, which I thought was, again, a great reveal yeah. that after all this time, he's just Ralph. Yeah, he's just Ralph Boner. <laughs> I love that he laughed about it, like Boner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was perfect. Like, he's just some guy like that lived in that house that I guess I took over. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, is a, you know, mean, it, that it was one of the speculations, right? This idea of, like, who's Ralph? He's always off-screen. Off and now it makes sense right. why he was off-screen, because they were going to use him. But at the time, people were like, is it Mephisto? Is it something else? And I like that it's much more generic than that, but again, makes sense, because if we had seen him, it wouldn't have meant anything when he shows up as Pietro. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, that, um, in one way, I guess, if they're going to recast all the X-Men anyway, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. He's not one of the X-Men, right? No, for sure. Um, another thing about the finale that, again, was, you know, a little hard to watch, but like because it, it was emotional, is when you have everyone in the town square slowly kind of being lifted from uh, the control of Wanda and kind of all the things that they're saying. And the one who's like, you know, can you please be friends with my, my, my daughter so you can let her out of the room? And everyone's like, that's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, because remember, Vision mentions, like, there's no children. That they don't play on the playground or whatever, right? Like, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Like, uh, it was interesting how they how they they played that up before, and then I came back, right? But yeah, like those people, yeah, they didn't. It was pretty shitty, right? Because they didn't have control. No, they were again. They and the idea that when they slept, they had her nightmares. Like that's that's some messed up shit. Yeah, that is fucked up. Yeah, that that town like is gonna need some debrief. Speaking of, with the, the Darcy was just like fucked off, right? She didn't care about debriefing. Yeah, I love that. And, like, again, like, uh, part of me was like, I wish she had more to do, but also she probably didn't need to do more. Again, like, she worked as a, you know, an audience audience surrogate for most of the episodes anyway. And so we didn't really need that anymore. So I like that she kind of got the, you know, she got to smash into uh, Hayward with her vehicle. I thought that was a great use of where she was. She was on her way there anyway. And I'm excited to see more of Darcy because, I mean, I. I, I feel like we I didn't really like Darcy that much in the first two movies she was in, but I think it's because, you know, they used her for the humor, but I also didn't feel like they gave her like a sense that she really knew what she was doing that much. Whereas here it felt like like she knew what she was doing, she had a purpose, but she was still funny as well. And like I like that they were able to use that part of the personality but actually give her something to do. No, for sure, yeah. Like I'm definitely down for more Darcy later on, so and, and I love that Jimmy's learning all sorts of magic tricks. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was cool too. Yeah, like they brought back the card trick that he actually had nailed it you know, when he was giving uh, Monica his card. Yeah, and then and then even when he got out of the handcuffs with the flourish. Yep. Yeah, there's some good ones there for sure. So like, yeah, what's, I, what's I mean, your thoughts on um, Jimmy Woo and Darcy doing some X Files? I mean, that'd be great. I mean, again, they have such a great camaraderie. They really seemed like they got along. And again, it was just so nice to have those characters because, again, they were just fun. You know, it was nice. That the MCU works well because it's not just serious stuff. It's also fun. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it would be funny if they, if they went with, like, a TV, like, one episode, one series, maybe, with, a, with Darcy and, uh, and Wu, uh, you know, doing some X-Files shit. For sure. And personally, now that Fox owns, um, is owned by Disney, right? With the, 
they should put them in the, the old Xbox office. I think that would nail it perfectly. That'd be awesome. So I guess um, final. Th- let's go through some final thoughts. I mean, again, there was a lot to unpack in the series, but do you think it lived up to your expectations? Was it better than what you were expecting? Um, you know, how did you feel about the overall ride? Because again, this is the one that felt like the subversive one. Like I feel like other Marvel shows are going to be, you know, good, but I don't think they're maybe going to be as much of a question mark as this was. The minute this was announced, the minute we saw previews, the minute we saw, you know, footage, it looked like what is this? I don't think the other shows are trying to challenge us in the same way. So do you think it lived up to the promise? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, I love I love that they did something different. So I'm hoping that they try other things like this, like in the future, because it, it's cool to not just have the same thing over and over again. Absolutely. Uh, again, the next one is it looks a little bit more straightforward, kind of buddy cop meets you know an espionage thriller. I'm, I'm sure it'll be exciting, but yeah, there's just something about what WandaVision did. And actually, I don't know if you saw online, there was a meme of um, what if Avengers Endgame was made by the people who made WandaVision? And, and it was just kind of referencing the fact that sometimes the, the cuts at the end of the episode would be like, oh my God, no, I just want to see what's happening next. Like, um, so they had the moment in Endgame where uh, you see Molnar getting picked up, but you don't see who, who's picking it up, and it's obviously it's Steve. And you see it hits Thanos, and it starts to go back, and before you see it, Steve, it just cuts to the end, you know, end of credits <laughs> for WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. Which was very funny because I think that is true that there was for the last couple episodes, especially like there'd be like a big reveal and you're like, okay, and then boom, right to credits. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, again, it's the different formats, right? Like, so it's nice that they can play in both in both formats and just and make the universe richer, which is which is great. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it does feel like with this with this uh, TV series, uh, with the upcoming Hawkeye series, with the fact that they've recast um, uh, Cassie Lang as a, a slightly older actress now in Ant Man Three, it does feel like again we're building up to the Young Avengers. And so, I could, first of all, can't wait to see that actually happen if it does. But it's nice to kind of see that they gave her, you know, kids powers and they were having fun with that. Like it was cool to see speedsters having fun because I feel like often we don't get to see that. Yeah, I know. And then, again, there's this whole other open universe now that, like, will she go back and play in Westview? Like, you know, that, uh, like it, it could happen, right? Like, we'll see what happens along the road. For sure. And I like the idea that we could go back to Agatha, too, right? Like, she's still there. You know, like, she knows where to find her. She's not going anywhere. But if they need to ever bring her back, they could. And I'm intrigued by that possibility because, again, they're I think they're learning from early MCU where they would kill off villains a lot. <laughs> And I like that they're not killing them off anymore. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, it, 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 it leaves the door open. Plus, remember, that place is built on that shrine or whatever, right? So it is an important place for that character, for those characters. That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, and the idea that, like, again, the, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, one of the villains is Zemo, who, again, was the villain in Civil War. So, again, I like that they keep these villains around because that's part of what makes a lot of these comic book heroes and villains work is that you have recurring villains. You have the buildup of, you know, the kind of their relationships with each other. Like, even in Civil War, he ended up dying. But even then, you had Crossbones, who felt like he had a major cross to bear against Captain America because of what happened in Winter Soldier. So, again, I like that they can not kill them all and actually develop them a little bit more yeah and I also I think that comes from like you know now they know that there's long term possibilities right whereas in the beginning they were more I guess stereotypical you know movies where the villain dies at the end right like exactly like if you watch those early MCU movies they're still more self-contained right like they're just the slight 
plot threads. Now it's much more combined and like all, you know, encompassing, right? So it's just different stages of the process. Exactly. Well, I guess what would you what would you give your final kind of rating of of, of the series? How many hexes? How many hexes out of ten? Or yeah, I'm giving her a nine, man, or nine point five. Like it was so good. Uh, like it worked on all levels. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think I'd probably give it a nine and a half as well. And I, get, I think what makes it work is that it it is rewatchable. You know, it doesn't. And I think because there's twists, because there's things kind of hidden there, uh, even in the commercials, even in some of the smaller details. I love that you can go and you can go back and get a greater appreciation. So it's not just like they threw something away. There was a lot of care and thought given to it. And I mean, that just every moment of the show felt like you could feel the care. You could feel. You know how much effort they put into every element of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Like uh, it, it, again, this is what you can do when you have great planning. If you're doing nine episodes, plan them out, right? Especially if it's like a linear story like this. You know, like this, this is a great example of what good planning can and good storytelling can do. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's funny when you when we say that. Like the first thing that my mind went to was uh, how the storytelling in a show like Picard was so protracted and felt like it took so long to get there. Whereas I felt like with WandaVision, you got complete stories that in each kind of episode, and then you got to pl- move the plot along, but it felt like I was still getting a full episode of, of content. And I w- Whereas I felt like uh, half the time when I was watching Picard, I would get an episode, but it didn't feel like I was getting a story. There was no beginning, middle, and end. It was just, it was just beginning, or it was just middle. Yeah, well, and then you read some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and, like, it sounds like even the episode with Riker and Troy that I don't think was originally supposed to happen. It just, like, it seems like any of the Star Trek projects are just fucking terribly organized, to be honest. Mm. Like, the current stuff that's going on, right? Like, Discovery, too. The first season was a fucking gem. gem like, it was all over the place. It was just, you know, like, an ultimately garbage, in my opinion. You know, if anybody loves it, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but it's not for me. I don't yeah. care if anybody else enjoys it, but it's just not my Star Trek. I, it's interesting because you, you're right. Because, I mean, like, for better or for worse, if it has a strong showrunner with a vision, even if it's not to my taste, I think I can respect it more because then at least it will be consistent in tone. Like, I mean, I know that, uh, that the Hannibal show that Brian Fuller did is not for everyone. But if you're into that kind of style, I mean, it's just that's his vision. And everything is in supporting of that vision. And so there was, no, there was never uh, an issue with tone or consistency. It was just this was the vision that he wanted to articulate. And we got to experience that vision. And it was a strong showrunner. And there was a strong consistency of all the episodes. Whereas, you, again, you, you watch something like Picard or Discovery. And I just don't feel like you get that same consistency of vision. You feel like there's just a weird mess going on. And you don't know, you know who's really running the ship. Whereas, again, you come to something like WandaVision. And it feels like it was exactly what they wanted it to be yeah no for sure absolutely like Picard season one totally um, you know suffers from that Discovery every season does with teams um, I will say that the newest season was the most cohesive um, but yeah it, it is it, it, it makes a huge difference it, it, you can tell when it's well planned out well thought out for sure so we're going to have you back right when we talk about uh, Winter Soldiers in a couple weeks yeah I mean now, do you, do you, I mean, obviously they're so different, but do you, do you expect to enjoy it on a different level than WandaVision? Do you expect to enjoy it the same? What are your expectations going into something like Falcon and Winter Soldier? Uh, no, I mean, I think it's going to be enjoyable. Like, listen, um, 
it's just not as different. But, but then we could be wrong. Maybe they're going to throw us a, a few loops there as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll, we have to we'll have to wait and see. I'm definitely excited to see what the potential is. And I mean, there are two characters that haven't had as much exploration as others, so it, like, it will be interesting to see. For sure, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm very excited for it just because it feels like it's it's the one that really moves some of the the broader plot ideas of the MCU as a as a whole forward because again you have the idea of the legacy of Captain America, you have that shield, what happens after Captain America dies. It's interesting too like how do how does the public even really view Captain America because again the last time he was really seen in action was again in um you know in Civil War and he kind of steps away and becomes a secret avenger. So you know, he wasn't really on the public stage in the time leading up to Infinity War. And when he, you know, when Infinity War happened, he wasn't really around. Like, he was in Wakanda, which, again, on the public stage, they wouldn't have seen that. And I guess I guess all things were kind of forgiven because he was at Avengers Compound and, you know, leading support groups in Endgame. So I'm curious, like, what the world really thinks of Captain America and what they know of his disappearance as well. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Yeah, it was like you're right though. This is the first one that will now lead us into phase four in the sense of like post, like uh, what's going on, right? And I guess wh- like where does this fall now uh, when it comes to Spider-Man? Uh, were, we don't know. Were the events of uh, Spider-Man two or? So Spider-Man 2, yeah, that's a good question. Like, we don't know if this is going to be before or after Far From Home, and, and maybe it won't matter. Yeah. Like, it, it's possible it won't. No, it's possible it won't, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. We'll, we'll find out in two weeks. Yeah, and I'm excited to see Sharon Carter kicking ass, like even in some of the trailers, like they're, you know, she's, you know, I feel like that was a character who was never really given a, an opportunity to shine, and I feel like maybe now is, now is the moment. Oh, right, yeah, I forgot that she's in this, yeah, which is, like, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, because they've always kind of like hinted at her being, you know, more than she is and what's going on there. But yeah, we didn't never really got to see her blossom and, as a character. Exactly. I mean, and again, we know that she's connected to Peggy because, again, they finally kind of revealed that in Civil War. But that was the last time we yeah. saw her. And again, we assumed that she was going to kind of be in some trouble there because, again, she brought Captain America his shield and uh, Falcon his pack. And that was the last we really saw of her. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it was a long time ago now when you actually think about it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, even in the, in the continuity of, of the movies, like, the movies. Uh, I guess Endgame was what twenty twenty three. So uh, you know the last if if everything. Twenty twenty three. Pardon me. You mean twenty thirteen? You mean twenty thirteen? No, no, I'm talking about no. Endgame is in twenty twenty three. Oh right, the actual yeah right because they're a bit further in the future. Yeah, so the last time we saw her was in Civil War, and if we're assuming it took place in the year it took place in. When, when did Civil War come out? Two thousand seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is that right? I was confused with the You know what? That I might be wrong. I think it's actually 2016. 16, yeah. That's right. That sounds right. 16 sounds right. So, I mean, it's it, it, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where that character's been. I'm excited to see. Yeah, it was 2016. So, I mean, in the movie's continuity, it might have been like seven years since we've seen her on screen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you forget that they're a bit further ahead of us. Yeah, but I mean, even even so, just in, in our timeline, it's been five years since she's been in, a, in any projects. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it has been a long time. Because Civil War, like, it doesn't feel that old, but it, it, it's been a while. It's funny, when, we're, when Kelly and I were watching, again, this thing for The Winter Soldier, she was like, did I see this movie? I'm like, yeah, the Civil War. <laughs> she's like, oh, okay. Like, I know she's watched that one with me. Um, but I guess, again, so much happens in the MCU. There's so many movies, so many things have happened that she, it's very easy to forget. 
Yeah, no, well, it's crazy to think that it was 2008, man. Like, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it's been 13 years of craziness. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And uh, has Kelly seen every MCU movie, MCU movie? No, she's still missing a handful. Oh, okay. She, uh, I think she saw half of Dark World. She never watched Ragnarok. She got halfway through Doctor Strange. She never watched Guardians 2. Hasn't seen Captain Marvel. <laughs> I love the halves. Well, she got halfway and she fell asleep. Yeah, that's just funny. It's funny because, like, when we watched oh. Age of Ultron again, I think she was just kind of bored of it, and I think we meant to go back to it and we didn't. And then one day it was like on TV, so she's seen like you know parts of it. She watched like half the movie, and then she's seen parts of what happens later just through watching on TV. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, now you have it on Disney Plus, so you can watch them all. Yeah, I mean, I keep saying like I think you'll like Captain Marvel. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. One of these days. Going back to something, I just um, I had a thought about uh, subverting um, expectations. Um, going back to Star Wars, I have to do it. Um, you know, the, like the second Star Wars, the you know the whole movie seemed to be, oh, we're subverting expectations. Hmm. It was just so poor in the end, and then you see something like WandaVision where it was able to pull it off so beautifully. It's just the perfect contrast. Absolutely. And that's all we'll say about Star Wars. Um, so we're, we're talking May 5th Sorry, March 5th right now Do you think that Black Widow is actually going to come out on May 7th? Yeah, I mean, I don't know Like, it's so weird, right? The rumor is that Feige doesn't want that He wants like it to have the proper box office um, And in one way I get the sentiment Like, you know, she finally gets her film And then it ends up being like a, a straight-to-TV kind of thing And not a big box office uh, movie But it's tough, right? Because, like, how long can they keep pushing it? I don't know. And, and, and like, so, like, Black Widow is supposed to be in May. Then two months later, we're supposed to get Shang-Chi in July. Uh, and then we have a, you know, a, a nice break. And then Eternals in November and Spider-Man in December. Yeah, it's sort of like the movie. They're sort of like the series, too. Eh? We'll just hammer out two and then give them a bit of a break and hammer out another two. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. It'd be interesting. I, again, I, I can't imagine at this moment seeing like Black Widow actually being in theaters, but who knows? But if you push back one, you got to push back all of them. And how does that work? Well, do you, though? That, uh, we don't know that for sure. We don't know. I, I guess of all of them, like Black Widow would seem to be the one that would be the most maneuverable. Yeah, because it's a prequel. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you'd have to play around with it then, credit sequence, if they've... Yeah, uh, those lined up. Like they they've like, confirmed that um, Florence Pugh as um, as uh, Black uh, sorry as uh, Yelena Belova is going to make other appearances. So I guess they can't really if they have other stuff that she's going to be in, they got to make sure the movie she's in first is out. True. Yeah. So yeah. Then it, who knows? It, yeah. That's the thing. It, it, I guess it all depends on how how fluid it is in the sense of like they can stick it wherever, but. And we're supposed, and to, we're again, supposed to get... How fluid is Shang-Chi? Yeah, I don't know. And we're supposed to get five movies next year. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the other thing. is like, okay, if you do push it, then, like, how many movies are you willing to release? Like, are we going to get, like, a whole year of Marvel movies? Like... Yes. <laughs> like, every month, a new... A new like, you know, and then how much are you cutting into your budget? Because I'm sure that stuff comes into play, too, right? Like... How much are you stealing from each other? That's true. Office-wise. Yeah. 
I mean, so, some of them. It's know. it's interesting too because like some of those movies, like I mean, besides the people who just love MCU from a genre perspective, they don't really play in each other's sandboxes. Like Shang Chi is going to have a different you know kind of genre than Eternals. Oh, for sure, and that's what one of the things that is so great about the MCU is how they're not all the same, right? Like they have their own universes within the universe right yeah in fact like this year is, is actually interesting because of the you know four projected movies only one of them is really a sequel which is spider-man you got black widow standalone i mean pre-existing character and then you got two new properties shang chi and eternals whereas if you look at 2022 you have dr strange 2 thor 4 uh black panther 2 and captain marvel 2 and ant-man and the wasp five uh, sorry three so you got like five movies there that they're all new. Yeah. None of them are new properties. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. It's like a year of, of, of new and a year of sequels. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I kind of hope in one way that they do drop it, because I am I do want to see it. Um, and it's a shame we can't do it in a theater, you know, if it drops too early, but... I guess the question is, too, though, how, how um, far along is the U.S.? They're probably in better shape than we are with vaccination at this point. I mean, they're they're faster at vaccinating, but I mean their numbers are still pretty poor. But they don't seem to, they're not keeping things closed. They don't, they're not. Yeah, know, just things are more open. Like go to Texas, you can do anything you want. Which is insane from my perspective, but yeah. So yeah, I guess we'll we'll uh, we'll see. I, I mean, in two weeks, we'll we'll probably mention this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I mean, from a Canadian perspective, yeah, I don't think we'll be in a theater in May. No, I I could see being at a drive-in theater in May. Yeah, possibly. It'd be interesting, like, if they do decide to make it, like, you know, kind of a streaming, you know, Disney Plus premier access, um, you know, I, if it's May, I mean, I, I would imagine that I might want to do that outside and uh, on, on, a, on a, you know, project it on a screen and have a big, big event. <laughs> yo, 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 you, uh, you might want to keep that on download. Like, oh, that's I true. Disney to listen right now, right? With the, that's a good point. Not doing that. I'm not doing that. I've never done that. Yeah, no. We're not charging admission to have popcorn and all that. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> all right. Well, th- this has been great. Thanks so much for coming back to talk about the end of WandaVision. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. To, well, well, we'll talk to you in two weeks uh, to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Sounds good. I'm excited. All right. Take care. All right. Take it easy.